Hey guys, how are you both doing tonight? Not bad. How are you, sir? Doing well. Uh, with Ryan and I tonight, this is Riley Mullins. I forgot to ask how to pronounce your last name. Hopefully that's correct, yeah, there though. There it is. Okay, Riley Mullins, and Riley is starting a Kickstarter next week as we record this, uh, the 30th, uh, correct, right? Yep. Yep, the 30th for Victory Pints. You're listening to Board Again Games, Season 2, Episode 9, where we interview Riley Mullins, a Cincinnati-area entrepreneur who is about to open a board game venue. Listen as we talk about his favorite experiences in board games, as well as some of the challenges that he might be facing as he opens his venue which is in our region of the woods, although a little bit north of Ryan and I. Uh, Mason area will be a board game bar and restaurant, uh, hoping to do some cool things. Um, he's a passionate board gamer, husband and father of two boys, one and four years old. I remember those years. That's a that's a less sleep years. And he's also <laughs> the founder of Mullenspiel, a new board game con- uh, convention that was set to launch last year, but... Uh, after opening up registration, COVID hit. So we can talk about that and yeah. many events and was postponed indefinitely. So tell, yeah, tell us about your, your, uh, your, your convention, how many people you had uh, registered for that and, and how that kind of came about first. Let, let's start. There. Uh, yeah. Great question. Thanks. Uh, so Mullenspiel, I mean, kind of silly. Cause obviously that's my last name. It was kind of birthed out of uh, some friends in Oxford, Ohio, that had been basically having little informal board game weekends for their birthdays for a couple of years. And so I kind of jumped on board with that. I was like, sweet, I'll do that too. Uh, so I did it for a couple of years, but you know, there's, there's had cool names, this con and that con and Mullins con doesn't really sound, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't sound smooth. So somebody's like, how about I just call it Mullins? I was like, okay. Uh, so we did that informal for a couple of years. And then this past year, or I guess at the end of 2018, uh, 2019, which would have been going into 2020 Mullenspiel because it's always in May uh, over my birthday weekend, which is May 5th. But um, uh, the November prior to that, I thought, what if we kind of made this a little bit more official? What if we kind of, you know, got some prize support, reached out for sponsors, you know, all that. And so we did and got in, you know, dozens of different gift cards and games and prizes and whatnot. And so we probably had a couple grand worth of prizes to give away. And I was like, okay, well, let's just you know, make this an LLC, make it a business. We don't really have to put it anything in. There's not much of a risk for doing this, uh, you know, maybe a, a hundred bucks, but uh, there wasn't a lot at stake. So we said, let's just make this a business. Let's see if we can make formalize this and actually, you know, start a public event, not just a kind of private in-home uh, thing. And so we were on our way to doing that, had, you know, a venue set up and, you know, chairs and tables about to be rented and, you know, people signing up for, uh, registration. We didn't have that many people sign up for registration uh, because it was oh early. It was like right at the beginning of March, and so the event was a couple months away. And you know, two okay. weeks later, COVID hit. But we had we had a handful of people that had signed up, and of course, we had to refund them all. But uh, what venue were you looking at? Like uh, so it was actually going to be. I don't know what it is now. I think it's since moved on. It was actually going to be in an old church that was going to let us rent out their their gym. Okay. So. So anyway, obviously that all got put on hold uh, indefinitely, like most people's conventions, though, obviously, you know, we're, we're a nobody. And so, you know, we didn't have to make that call months and months in advance, like some of the, the big guys. So we just kind of played it month to month and said, you know, we'll check in next month, see what's going on. Obviously, you know, none of that panned out, but it, I'm really thankful that ultimately, you know, it kind of was, it obviously was delayed because it was, it was that delay that really gave that became the catalyst uh, and evolved the convention initiative into the full-blown, you know, brick and mortar venue uh, vision for Victory Pints. So that's that's uh, what happened with Mullinsville. I guess if Victory Pints for some reason didn't work out, maybe we'd pivot back to, to doing Mullinsville. But uh, the goal would be that Victory Pints uh, comes out of the gate strong and just kind of absorbs Mullinsville. You know, we'll still do a, a series of events, but uh, I don't know if we'll keep the hokey name Mullinsville or not, but we'll see. I, I respect somebody who knows that starting their own business is just as easy as filling out for a form. I, I I'm self-employed and everybody's impressed that I have my own business. It's just <laughs> construction. And I'm like, uh, yeah, man, it's 45 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I understand LLCs are a little bit more expensive and require a lot more paperwork. So when you said it was that, less was, than I thought. <laughs> yeah. 
They're, they're, they're not that much. I, <laughs> technically, this is part of an LLC too. <laughs> so, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's like it's like 150 bucks for an LLC. That's like three times uh, an EIN. What's the uh, electronic ID number? What's this, what's the tax ID number? Oh, is the FEIN. My... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. I just you federal know. employee. Yeah, yeah. Employer yeah. ID. So yeah. with that, yeah. How? Where are you in preparing for for opening? Like. Um, do you have investors? Um, are, are these people that were going to be part of the convention uh, b- helping to back you? Uh, why are you doing a Kickstarter? Um, that, that's uh, kind of a non-traditional way to get funding. Are you doing that as yeah. supplemental funding? There's a lot there. What do you want to unpack? Sure. Yeah. The The hope was that crowdfunding initiatives would be supplemental once we had secured uh, the full financing needed, which we're looking at about 180000 to to get started with everything. Yeah. Um, Obviously, with COVID, you know, lots of lots of traditional lenders like banks and whatnot are basically, you know, have frozen all lending for startups. That's kind of starting to turn around now. But, um, you know, this whole this whole uh, plan kind of kind of evolving and pivoting over really the past year, uh, the past six months, especially we've been looking uh, significantly into the financing situation. And so uh, we were actually able to. Uh, bring on a team, a uh, small team of investors, six or seven people uh, in our own, some of our own uh, equity from, from me and my wife that got us up to about 30,000 of the 180,000. So, um, you know, and as we started uh, pursuing different small business association, SBA partnership loans and other organizations and other bank entities and whatnot, um, you know, we're in process with a couple of those now, but because the the timing is obviously taking longer than it would normally. Uh, we decided, hey, what do we have to lose by going ahead and, and launching the crowdfunding initiatives now? And yeah. so we're actually running a GoFundMe and a Kickstarter parallel to each other, um, essentially because obviously the board game community is huge on Kickstarter. I mean, this is a very localized mm-hmm. thing, but we hope that you know people from all over can get excited about this and um, you know setting the tone for venues in future cities, even theirs. But uh, most of the circles I've run in the past 10 years would be very familiar with GoFundMe and we've done a lot of work with GoFundMe. And so, uh, that's, that's more of a, yeah, I have a lot of personal contacts in that realm. So we're kind of running both side by side to, um, bring in as much as we can. Cool. How would you say, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of risk there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> both, uh, on the restaurant side and on the retail side. So how would you say you're going to be, um, pulling in, in people what, what like what, what's going to make somebody draw you uh draw them in consistent excuse me consistently besides the novelty of it because if you just have the novelty right um that's going to wear off um right. what, what's going to bring people back to victory points consistently and, and help yeah. build that up for you do you think uh the hope is that uh even though of course it sounds ambitious uh, is that we would be kind of a one-stop shop where we can bring, you know, most, if not all of the, the world of board games together into a single establishment. Whereas now it seems like there's, there's places that, um, you know, are essentially a restaurant bar and they kind of have board games as a theme, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, they're a full blown restaurant, full service, all that stuff. Or there's kind of your just retail store for board games. They don't necessarily have a lot of other amenities or food and drink. And there are some that are in between, but it seems like a lot of them might fall either to one side or the other. And so, uh, you know, there might be a reason for that. And so it's like, how can we bring all, you know, meld those both together and, and somehow make a, a perfect world out of it. I don't know, but, um, the hope would be that the re we can be, competitive in our retail pricing because we're not solely a retail store that's relying on just those sales to, you know, keep us afloat. Really it's the, the food, the craft beer, all that stuff. That's going to be of course a big support to the, uh, to the revenue. Um, And then we won't be a full blown restaurant. So we're probably not going to have grills and vents and things like that. But of course we have the, the beer, the wine, the, other food and drink, you know, of course we'll have some appetizers, kind of turbo toaster style, probably have some cold wraps and, and some salads, things maybe more like a subway setup type, mm-hmm. uh, type look. So we won't have a, at least not to start, we won't be a, a full fledged restaurant. So people will call us a cafe. People will call us a bar. People will call us a restaurant. People will call us a store. But the hope is really that we are not 
singularly any of those things, but that uh, some totally, we are all of those things. And so really the word we often use is just venue because we don't want to, um, you know, language kind of defines culture. And so we don't, we don't want to put certain words in people's heads. If, if that's not the, uh, the front we're trying to present, we really want it to be a, a sum total venue where people can come and our aim, our tagline, our aim is to elevate your board game experience. So everything about it from being able to buy games, from being able to play hundreds of games for free to, you know, being able to play on premier custom tables to of course the food and the drink, uh, the special events, weekly giveaways, rewards, things that some other places aren't necessarily doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to we want to be about that so that some totally it, it crafts a uh, it it elevates the experience, it raises the bar. Are you going to have uh, cocktail servers? So we won't have any hard liquor. Um, it'll just be the craft beer and the wine, at least to start. Um, I, I should say less less hard liquor. More. Are you going to have? Um, servers that go to the tables or will they be going to a pickup window? Yeah. So the hope is that this can, as, as we find a rhythm that we can really go minimum staff, but maximum amenities. And so a lot of what we are and what we offer hopefully will be kind of self-serve and self-selection, but of course the food and drink, you know, we need people. Uh, We're not planning to have people, uh, you know, waiting on people, having waiters and waitresses serving, you know, coming to your table, leaving tips, things like that. I think as we find our rhythm, we will have people on the floor walking around, you know, maybe they'll have a square plugged into their phone or the iPad and just, you know, see if people want additional food and drink and things like that. So we can, you know, um, of course, serve, you know, serve people without them having to get up and leave their seats. But uh, the hope would be minimal staff and maximum amenities. So we'll see, we'll see what we can do with with minimal staff and we have a good community that's ready to support. So we'll have uh, hopefully regular volunteers on the floor, teaching games and, you know, inviting people to, uh, you know, show them more about the re- what's in the retail and what's at the bar and all that stuff. So is that your initial expectation is, is that whoever you're hire can do uh, a both and type of role of, uh, of either being able to sell a game or sell a beer? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're definitely, uh, we're definitely looking at a, obviously we won't have very many staff, uh, you know, it'll be mm-hmm. me. And then we're imagining, you know, probably not more than five other part-time people uh, spread, spread throughout the week and weekend, but uh, be a small pool of people that, you know, we hope can, you know, have some knowledge and experience kind of in the, in the world of board games and, you know, are able to, uh, you know, describe to people the the differences in the beers and, you know, what, what snack or appetizer we have that might go well with it and uh, all that. So, and I don't, I don't know a lot of guys actually, I do know a, <laughs> an inordinate amount of people that have experience bartending, line cooking and working in game stores. <laughs> I, I know I could, I could think of three at least off the top of my head right now. So you, you talk about being a venue. What, you know, when I think of a venue, I, I used to play in bands and stuff. I, I know what to expect when I go to like, I don't know, a kid's venue that's Chuck E. Cheese or <laughs> a venue for music or a, you know, a soccer plex or something like that. What would somebody who isn't used to this type of thing, uh, I've, I've been to a few on the spectrum of, of similar venues to yours, um, but for somebody who hasn't, what would you explain that? In terms of walking through the door, what what would they see? What would it feel like? Why would why would a mom want to go there if her husband's like, <laughs> "Hey, let's let's check this place out," and he's already all about it, but they have a couple little kids. Why? What would what would she expect, and how would you present your venue to somebody like that? Great question. Uh, one thing that's that's interesting and exciting is, of course, that the world of board games, uh, the target demographic is seemingly exceedingly broad. Um, in that there are games for every age, every complexity, every theme, really board games have something for everyone. And so, of course, with a venue like Victory Pints, obviously, you know, Pints is in the, the name. And so a, a focus, of course, is the, is the craft beer. And, uh, of course, in a city like Cincinnati, where, uh, you know, craft beer is, is essentially culture here and uh, mm-hmm. transcends, I think, the bar status to where, you know, breweries are a place where families go and spend time together. And so the hope is that that wouldn't be a deterrent uh, for people 
coming to, to see and experience that we are indeed family friendly. And of right. course, you know, being open during the day and being hopefully being in a spot uh, that we're looking at, which is 94% residential, that there will be moms and children coming in throughout the day and, you know, want to spend time there and teach their, um, their children a kid's game or, you know, have them be in our little kid's corner and, and working through things and learning things. But um, we wanted to, we wanted to be, welcoming for everyone you know there are there are stereotypes uh for the board game world or culture of board game stores you know nerdy sweaty awkward whatever uh and so our our aim is really to not deter anyone like that i think i'm probably in that category of uber nerd or whatever you want to call it but uh really to also cater to the broader community the uh, the people who essentially are waiting to be introduced to you know, an immersive gaming experience and they don't even know it yet. They don't know anything about what the modern world of board games has to offer. And so, you know, you're walking in the door, it's, it's clean, it's spacious. Um, you see that there's a, a handsome, hopefully retail selection. And then there's <laughs> hundreds of games that you can choose from just to pull off and play. Some people I'm sure will come in just to pull games off the shelf and not even play them, but just because they want to touch them and they want to see them kind of like when we, you know, spend hours uh, looking through Netflix or something and don't actually watch something. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll have s- sleek custom tables. Maybe not every table will be a, a custom premier board game table, but certainly our aim is to have as many as we can. And so people will see that this is a, a serious place to play. Uh, not that it's like, Hey, you're walking into casino Royale and you got to know something to, to be here, but, uh, this is a place where you can be comfortable and you can be, you know, exposed or initiated to this world that you may not know anything about and you may find something that oh man there's wingspan the game that is bringing in all these multi-generational new players because you know of its theme and obviously it's a great game and great production but how many other games are like that that you know people have no idea exists but when they come in they're going to find that gym yeah if not the first time hopefully within a few times that they that they visit and keep coming back I don't know if that really answered your question, but so what would you pull off the shelf for that, that family that walks through the door that it's got the dad who's more interested in wingspan, but obviously the mom's kind of worried about keeping the attention of, of the kids. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> quasi, a a quasi not answer and then an answer. So sure, actually yeah. literally right before this, almost right up to eight o'clock, my four-year-old son, Leo and I actually just played our first full game with full rules uh, all the way through of patchwork. And oh, so nice. I don't know if you guys are familiar with patchwork, I guess mm-hmm. on the box, he, he you know, finished says, four-year-old finished patchwork. Yeah. So I think on the box, it says eight plus or something. Yeah. And we've tinkered or we've tinkered around with Carcassonne and, mm-hmm. uh, some other game, right games, uh, like his and different things that are more his age level. But that was the first game that we played that we went all the way through and actually played by all the rules. And so obviously that's a two player game. I wouldn't recommend that for the family, but I wanted to, uh, Ex- yeah. exhale that because that was a kind <laughs> of a monumental cool. moment half an hour I, ago cool. yeah. i mean there's but, adults uh, i i've sold patchwork to in the past who didn't get it so <laughs> that's okay. an accomplishment in, in yeah. itself yeah so uh, he's he's very curious but as far as you know this family walks in what do we pull off the shelf i'd say obviously go-to games are king domino carcassonne uh seven wonders depending of course on the age of the children you know some of those that people might consider gateway games <laughs> Uh, if they have, if they have young kids, of course, then you're looking at, I don't know if you've heard of Hoot Owl Hoot, uh, but it's kind of a beefed up version of Candyland. That's not all luck. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually got some thought to it, but, uh, so depending of course on, on the age, um, you know, there, there are particular gateway games that, that would fit, uh, you gotta the, say the it. family, you gotta say it, you know, you want to say it. There's I don't want to say it. You don't want to say it. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> Are you waiting for pandemic or Catan? Catan. Yeah. 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 Ticket, uh, ticket to ride. Ticket to ride as well. Ticket That's to ride. Yes. One. Those <laughs> ticket to ride, Catan, pandemic, and Carcassonne, I would say, are the four gateway games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Ticket to Ride New York is a great little lunchtime game uh, for anybody. You know, it, 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 I, I, anybody any, in suspenders. That's nice. Whatever. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it cuts the playtime down. It's, you know, it's small. You're finishing your routes really quick and it's easy to teach people get the idea of completing these sets. Um, 
And uh, and I'm gonna throw this out there because I'm gonna forget to tell Ryan uh, otherwise later on. But you'll probably care to Riley uh, attending Gamma, and I saw the new artwork for Carcassonne Twentieth today. Really? Yeah. And uh, even the Asmodee sellers didn't know what was up with it. Like if it had any expansions or anything. Oh, in interesting. The box. Okay. But the uh, the box looked great. So there's that. Um, nice. So you, you'll have you'll have a, a, a at least a prettier version of. Uh, did I say Carcassonne? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I said. Uh, you said Carcassonne. Is that what you meant? It was a blue and yellow box. Now I'm really confused. I'm going to have to go back and look at my <laughs> that's, notes. That's Carcassonne, right? It, it, it should be Carcassonne, but I almost feel like it was... No, no, because last year was Catan's 20th. Yeah, so it was Carcassonne. It is Carcassonne. Yep, okay. definitely Carcassonne. Okay, anyways. I, I'm my, my brain is already done with today. So... Um, <laughs> so you've told us a little bit about yourself. You have a one-year-old, four-year-old, you're playing games. How did you first get in, involved in uh, modern gaming? Yeah, just tell us about your, your original experiences with gaming, um, both as a kid and then how you got brought back into gaming. <laughs> well, uh, it'll eventually get back to what Ryan was saying with Catan. Yes! Uh, perhaps the ultimate gateway game, but or certainly the most... Uh, recognizable uh to there's nothing wrong with it you know yeah yeah absolutely it It has its purpose people enjoy it i think one time when we were in college when it was early on we played seven rounds of base Catan back to back (laughs) it was crazy uh and looking back on it i'm like how did we even do that but so growing up you know all i knew was i didn't even know risk i didn't know dnd i didn't know uh magic any of that stuff. So some of the big, the big hitters, I was, you know, were absent in my life. So I grew up of course with Monopoly and Scrabble and uh, you know, Trivial Pursuit and uh, Stratego and things like that. Uh, And really it wasn't that big of a deal. Millborn, if you guys like that uh, French card game, I don't know if you've heard that with the the miles per hour and the fire truck and the gas truck. Uh, you give people crash accidents. It's a good one. I was going to say, did you have the one that was like, the, 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 there's some that the, the, the artwork on the cards definitely make you think more about the crashes than, than others. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That Anyways. was a game our grandpa played with us a lot growing up. So good memories of that. But so essentially didn't play anything serious or know anything about the modern world of board games uh, until college when some buddies of mine, started playing Catan and I was kind of like, Oh, haha. Okay, cool. Dorks, whatever. But then, you know, they asked me to play and I think I was probably busy playing a video game or something. And uh, I started seeing how much fun they were having, you know, the conversations, kind of the epic moments, the, the laughs, all that stuff late nights. And I'm like, I'm missing out. What the heck? So, you know, I eventually got to table with them and started doing the sheep and the wheat and the, and the city building and all that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So that was kind of my introduction. I think back then we played Power Grid. We played, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, basically Catan and then threw in a few others. But had a had a, a small hit in college and then uh, took about another three to five year break where I was in New York City and some other places doing different things. And mm-hmm. uh, finally ended up back at not back at, but uh, at the University of Kentucky, I was working for a campus organization and the uh, community there was very into board games. And so that kind of reinitiated me back in 2013, about eight years ago. And so since then, I've just been full force uh, loving playing any game that I can, learning about new games. And, uh, you know, I've been to Gen Con a few times, worked at that a few times, running some demos and done some play testing for uh, my favorite publisher the past five years or so. And uh, love love Wait, games who, you can't just throw that in who who is your favorite publisher the last five years <laughs> uh fantasy flight really yeah okay. <laughs> wow is that is that surprising or like uh, how could you no i mean i have a love-hate relationship with fantasy flight personally uh <laughs> and, and i mean this last year has been weird for a lot of people that that's why i'm, I'm surprised to hear I, I, I know a lot of people that, that uh, have had a love for FFG in the, the past, uh, but when they look at where things are at now, they're not super happy. So tell us more yeah. about your, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why you love FFG. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things, of course, I don't know, you know, I'm not 
severely exposed to the the industry or the inner workings of it all. But uh, you know, some of the changes that have happened in in leadership and um, yeah. you know uh, efforts and emphases the past couple of years. Uh, you know, I would certainly hoped for some different things, preferred some different things. But I think what resonates with me so deeply is because um, my favorite game of all time, the Lord of the Rings, the card game is fantasy flight. But of course, fantasy flight has gotten hold of some of the major IPs, star Wars, game of Thrones, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. And I, I just truly believe they have done such a phenomenal job, even, even in their living card games where, they're they're all a similar framework of course they're living mm-hmm. card games but each of them are unique and i think do a great job of just exercising and drawing out the theme of whatever it is whether it's legend of the five rings and you know kind of yeah. fantasy feudal japan or of course you know things that have extremely rich lore like lord of the rings mm-hmm. um, from the art the, the flavor text the mechanics of cards and different things like that that's just draw me in. And that's essentially the biggest factor for me in, in games as a whole is the thematic uh, vibe. And so anything that's going to gonna pull me in and make transport me, make me feel like part of that world, um, I, I'm in. And so mm. I think FFG, especially because they're, they're pulling off of, you know, series and characters and stories that we've known for, you know, some, some of them decades. And so right. it's very nostalgic and, uh, you know, in some sense, it's easier for them to fail. Uh, because there's there's a hope and an expectation, uh, but I think they've done a lot of stuff right with those. So, oh, absolutely. I I don't know. They, we, we could get into a whole nother episode. <laughs> but I have complaints. You yeah, guys well, want to I mean, talk I mean, about uh, FFGs, LCGs? Are you, are you guys talking about? <laughs> are you guys talking about competitive card games? I mean, oh, we, man, we're, we're, my, we're back there. That's <laughs> my bread and butter. I know. That's what Good. we're back to. Yeah. Um, so first I, off. yes hunt for the dreadnought yeah i just got this one at like 65 percent off because uh somebody was doing a a clearance on that one nice and that no no that one was that one was 45 and this one was go ahead brian i always had a hard time with the lord of the rings card game because like i didn't want to buy into it since it's like a co-op but then I don't want to like deck build with like somebody else's decks, but then I don't want to like play somebody else's deck either. <laughs> you know, like we yeah. played it a few times and like, I enjoyed it, but then I'm like, I have no idea what I'm playing. You know, I got this one wizard's quest for 65% off the, nice. the other one. I got a good deal on, but not as good as this one. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, it really brought me in because I just love Lord of the Rings. And so it was like, what this Lord of the Rings game. And my buddy had it. And the first time we played it, I had no idea what was going on uh because it's i mean for somebody who was kind of entry level at that point it was definitely complex and uh i went to a game store in in lexington and i and they had a demo copy and i sat there for seven hours by myself and learned to play it (laughs) and then i just got hooked i I I think go ahead ryan i was gonna say i respect some uh lord of the rings appreciation you know and 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 i like ffgs lcgs i think they do a good job publishing them and making the rules very complex, rewarding, fun, and different from each other. I will say that in my experience, I'll probably never play one again. And <laughs> it's because they have a hard time of continuing to support them. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Lord of the Rings ones probably is the longest lived one. I don't mind companies revamping games, second editions, uh, for competitive play for the LCGs. Um, I, at this point, would expect companies to do blocks similar to Magic, you know, where we're only playing with the releases from the last two years or whatever, um, and invalidating older cards. It, it makes it... If you jump into the Lord of the Rings game before the second edition was launched, it was about a $600 investment to be able to have all the cards to play. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. So why you don't need a lot to play an LCG if you want to play competitively, you know, like, I guess that's kind of your thing. But the biggest problem for me was is that they don't have, like, I don't even know if, um, what did I say? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I don't even know if that's still going. I don't it's know. It's a complete game. They just yeah, they just finished yeah. it out. Lord so of the Rings is also a complete game. Also, oh, so th- oh, yeah. that's what they call them now when they're yeah. done. 
Yeah. Well, that's a cute term. I love <laughs> that. So this is a living card well, game. But, but when, that, we're done, when we're done with it, it's a yeah. it's a complete. It's some a of them. Game. Some of them just get cut, like uh, Netrunner, Netrunner, Star Wars, yeah. and yeah, all that. Star Runners, Star Wars was super innovative, and it was. Uh, it, so I come from like I played Star Wars competitively, Netrunner competitively. Uh, okay. Lord of the uh, or Legend of the Five Rings competitively before it was an LCG, and then like very very slightly um, after it was an LCG. Uh, but the Star Wars LCG was ugh. it was so cool. But the the the, the deck building mechanic just led to oh, anyway. We're done. I'm done. That's my that's my FF. I like yeah, FFG. I could talk. I could talk about living card games forever. So yeah, I like what they put out. And I think it's awesome that you um, I've, I've volunteered for companies for uh, since Gen Con first came to Indy on and off. So oh, wow. I always like people that uh, volunteer for companies. It doesn't matter. You know, there's companies that I volunteer for. I like the staff and the games are um, we have not spoken to them on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> 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 it is not weird giraffe games, but there's other companies where the people are cool and i'm like these games are all right <laughs> yeah. oh goodness yeah. sakes um so getting back on track uh I, no i i totally forgot you had put the lord of the rings game in your uh in your response to us um which is cool but it, it's one of my favorite games right now uh, i played a lot of it over this last year but it's easier to get into now because of the reasons that Ryan said, like people had collected it for years and now they've sold it off. And so I was able to pick it up. Um, so if you've been playing this whole time, kudos to you. Um, did you, I, I think you said you played, uh, yeah, yeah, Marvel Champions too. Um, trying to look at my notes here. I, I think, and I've played a lot of Marvel Champions. In fact, I got to play it before it came out, but I think that the great part of that game is they took everything that they had learned from Arkham and Lord of the Rings and um, Game they, of Thrones. They've done that with all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but like it, it, it finally feels like they really learned how to like cut the fat and, and focus on what they really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you can see you can see the progression from Lord of the Rings to Arkham yeah. to Marvel Champions with all the co-op living card games for sure. You can see how it is streamlined. Yeah. The, so are, are are you going to have uh, any tournaments for it? Because they've been announcing some of their, they haven't announced dates yet because everything's in flux, but they for Marvel they champions. Have, yeah. For champions and crisis protocol, they've been starting to announce some of their, uh, um, I don't know what they're calling it now, but, but nice, nice Kingpin. There That's he some, is. Some protocol right here. I haven't actually played yet, but uh, I have some figures I've painted over the past nine months that I'm waiting to play. Well, so did you, uh, you, you probably didn't see this, but um, Crisis Protocol passed up everything except for Warhammer and um, it's it's the number three miniature game now. I can't remember. Whatever. Really? It passed up Legion and, and the other Warhammer one. But um, so it's number three right now, but I think it's primarily because everybody was like, I need to paint cool things during lockdown. So, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Those models do look good. They're yeah. pretty sweet. Um, so, do you want to talk more about some of your other favorite games uh, that are current right now since we're kind of there? Sure, yeah. Um, another Lord of the Rings game, War of the Ring, uh, the second mm -hmm. edition, uh, definitely with the expansions, Lords of Middle Earth and uh, Warriors of Middle Earth. And I think there's rumor or maybe. Uh, definite <laughs> confirmation that there's a Kings of Middle Earth or something coming out to, to complete it and round it out. But uh, yeah, I pre-ordered is... it last February and it was supposed to be out in August. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, go. go ahead. <laughs> uh, that game is so epic. I, it's hard to even describe, you know, to somebody that, that doesn't know. But, uh, you know, it's two full-size boards that take up the majority of your table. There's dozens, if not, I don't know, a hundred, couple hundred figures, maybe not quite that many. Um, you know, every card is um, got got an action or a title or a text that's, you know, thematic. If you know the lore and you know the the story, um, it's 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 as epic as epic gets. So that one's been my favorite for a number of years. And then I throw in Power Grid and Stockpile. I don't know if you guys have played that, but 
I played um, it once, huh? Uh, uh, Navu or Navu Games, yeah, uh, pub- publisher. But uh, they have. What, some do, you, great what do you like about Stockpile? It is. I guess I haven't played too many kind of money or stock related games, but the okay. fact that there is, depending on your player count, let's say you're playing with four people, there's six stock companies, and so everybody gets cards. And everybody knows what one company is going to do if it's going to go up or down in stock. Mm -hmm. And they secretly know that. And then everybody collectively knows what one of the companies is going to do. That's face up for everybody to see. And then nobody knows what one of the companies is going to do because that one's face down. And so you're kind of playing each other throughout the round. You're you're placing and bidding on stocks. You're maybe selling stocks uh, to try and, you know, learn information or lead people to you know, sell, sell something that isn't beneficial for them. And so I just love the, I don't know what you'd call it, you know, hidden information, but, um, and, and it's interestingly enough, I'm not sure how this legally works, but all the characters are real. All the characters you can be that have a special ability are real people like Donald Trump and Martha Stewart and uh, Kramer, whatever that guy's name is. Um, I guess Bad I money. Bill Gates, Warren, Warren Buffett. Yeah. So I, I guess I did not remember that part. Um, that's the problem with playing too many games sometimes. Um, <laughs> and viticulture. Oh, viticulture. Cool. Yep. Well, I, see, I was actually from your list. I, I was going to guess either FFG or uh, Stonemeyer might be okay. the, <laughs> who you had repped at, at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, so you, you also had Great Western Trail on, on your and uh, Feast for Odin. You want to say anything about those two? Feast for Odin is the most components I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> most tokens I've ever seen in a game. I'm sure maybe there's more out there, but uh, man, when I opened that box and punched like 15 boards of tokens of every shape and size, I was like, this is, this better be epic. Because uh, this took me, you know, as long to prepare to play as it did to play, but um and I think obviously uh Uwe, Uwe Rosenberg's games, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of similarities in a lot of them, but uh that one that one's big. That one's yeah, epic yeah. for sure. Uh and it's got, you know, like combines patchwork and Agricola mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a couple other games and like makes them all one thing. And I love mm-hmm. it. So uh have you seen that new artwork for great western trail the new edition coming out i think i think so i'm trying to yeah i'm actually kind of glad that i don't have a copy yet because they're gonna have like the south american cowboy version and okay i'm a sucker for good artwork and if you haven't seen it you should look it up yeah i'm looking uh, it up right now i did see it was it's kind of older looking or no, they're like on a stagecoach or something. Uh, for for the for the American oh, yeah. one, yeah, yeah. But then uh, the the one in South America is a little bit different, and I think they might have sheep. That'd be so, the, okay, the yeah, Southwestern Trail. Yeah, I think. What do you What are you saying about that? Are you like, hey, did you see that? Or you're like, eh, no, yeah. I'm just saying, did, did have you seen it? I mean, because I I like the new artwork better. The, the old artwork had the with some of the worst faces ever. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I'm excited for the South American. One. I'll, I'll probably get the South American one instead of the regular uh, one. But also on this podcast, we always announce any loaded questions. Oh, okay. we do. I mean, I, I always do. I'm like, I don't. So by the way, painfully obvious loaded question. Or at least is, you, you don't. I do. Yeah. Well, I'm just oh, saying. Are, 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 are you going to ask one? Yeah, go for it. No, no, no. I, no, I don't have one currently. <laughs> I just was saying that, that that that's usually what we do. I, mean, I could probably make one up, but uh, so Riley for event space uh, for running events and stuff. Um, in my experience, um, <laughs> anybody who knows me from years ago, um, alcohol and games do mix. Um, <laughs> but (laughs) so for example if you want to run friday night magic i'm pretty certain through watsi's uh compliance measures you are not allowed to have alcohol in the same area 
to run any um uh, what's dnc what's what's no that's some other group what, uh, what's, wpn uh, wpn is that what it's called now are you talking about wizards play network is that what it's called what was the your your card number anyway yeah that stuff um now you can i don't know how big your space is but is there an intention to to get companies uh um event kits and stuff and 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 run events or is this kind of a part of the feel it out and see where we get with the venue it's definitely a little bit of feel it out and it also depends kind of significantly on whether or not or if and when we can secure the second floor of the space that we're looking at which would essentially double our seating capacity in which case of course you know having kind of sectioned off events would be uh, much easier but yeah, um, go upstairs I think our my my main experience and my main passion is is in tabletop board games and so and of course you know throw in living card games in there but competitive card games or collectible card games and miniatures and role playing games those are all the things that I have less experience in we have a few people uh, in our not on staff yet but um, either in invested or just a community member ready to support that do have uh, you know some DMing experience or even publishing experience and you know miniatures experience and different things like that. So we're hoping they can pick that uh, pick that up and help uh, build that for us. But uh, I I don't think that right off the bat we'll have any anything official to launch. We'll need to see you know, kind of what the crowds like and how much space we end up having um, and what we have the, the capacity for. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, in your email response to us, you said that you think we're in the middle of a, a golden age uh, of board games. Where would you like to see um, board games and tabletop gaming go? And how would you like to see uh, victory pints be a, a part of that in the next few years? Nice. Um, the that phrase, the golden era of modern board games. I saw that in an article uh, somewhere, and there was a, a market research uh, stat that was talking about how you know the global board games market, you know, from 2017 to 2023 is almost going to double, and you know we're all, we're right in the midst of that. And so I think kind of back to maybe 2008 is that like when modern board games really took off. I don't know. I'm sure people debate that. I don't. No, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been in it for some years and it's explosive and we might be right in the middle of the most explosive time. Uh, and so the next three years could just be incredible for bringing every type of new person into the hobby that wouldn't have ever thought, you know, this could be their life or they'd, uh, you know, end up instead of going to a concert or instead of, you know, sitting down and watching you know, another, another thing on Netflix, like I'm probably going to do at some point tonight. Um, <laughs> that man, they sat down at a table with their family or their friends and they played either a silly game or an epic game or something that brought them together. And, and they laughed, they, they grit their teeth at each other. They, they high-fived whatever. And they, they wouldn't have seen this experience coming. I think the next three years are going to be bringing so many more people into that. Cause so many of the people that, uh, or there's plenty of people I know that, of course, I don't game with. And obviously, that's one of the things I'm most passionate about. And so I just imagine these next three years, how many of those people I'm going to get the opportunity to sit at a table with. And, uh, you know, as they're introduced to this world of board games, I guess it's like if you have your favorite movie, like, okay, mine's Lord of the Rings. If you if somebody hasn't seen it, and you're like, oh, you got to see this or watch it. Okay, you want to watch it together? And you get to sit with them through their first experience of that. Maybe they hate it. I don't know. But let's just <laughs> pretend that let's just pretend that they yeah. don't. Uh, it's like that. You're getting to see somebody, you know, share something that's been special to you for such a long time. And it's not just because, oh, this is a cool movie or these characters are cool. It's because the experience is so rich. It's because it's about the people and the relationships. And so I think for me, that's one of the most exciting things is seeing these next couple of years how many new people are going to be coming into the hobby that, you know, wouldn't have ever counted themselves in or, or known it was going to happen upon them. Um, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to ask you a question now that we can edit out afterwards if, if oh, we no. need to. <laughs> so oh, Ryan, was, Ryan was right. Uh, sometimes we do ask loaded questions. So my questions are like funny loaded. <laughs> hey, Riley, uh, when you loaded, put people's yeah. names on chairs, like mine's going to be extra big, right? <laughs> um, so my, my, my question is that when, when I hear all that, I'm like, that's great. That's wonderful. But a lot, we've been talking about the, this season is about making uh, the tent bigger, inviting everybody to the table for board gaming, um, except, I mean, there's no other way to say it, except we honestly don't want bigots at the table. Um, so there's that. <laughs> and first of all, that's, that's Ryan and, and me's uh, stance. Alongside that, there's also been a lot of talk recently uh, about the democratization of board games. How do you balance that? And here's where the more loaded question for somebody who's trying to do a retail thing and, and trying to pay the bills for their family and everything else as they uh, take on a new business venture. How do you balance the, this experience that you're talking about and the democratization of board games with like, the fact that most board games are expensive and that experience is something that is out of reach for a lot of people, unless you have a space that is specifically devoted to and inviting to people who might not be able to otherwise afford it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're, you're talking a little bit about the, the price, the entry price, but then the democratization, tell me more about democratization. Yeah. Just in general that, that like, you know, uh, like one way that shut up and sit down they're they're pretty big in the board gaming world um they they said you know we're always gonna mention how much a game costs in our review of games and then there was a lot of back and forth between them and other reviewers and and some people um about that you know like what there's a lot of things we could talk about here. So I'm more interested in your thoughts <laughs> rather than, than me going on and on about what I've read recently. Um, so first off democratization, uh, I, th I think like art board games should be for everybody. Everybody should be able to enjoy them. Um, how do we balance that with a place where you're trying to make money? How are, how are you going to share those experiences in a way that, uh, <laughs> really does invite people in um i mean are you <laughs> there's the loaded question <laughs> yeah, are you are you gonna do that <laughs> i mean I, I, and if you're not i, I mean I, you know so how, how does that match up with that vision that you're sharing with I, of course as we get into it i'm sure we'll see what areas we were you know overly hopeful in or ambitious in or naive in and like wow i can't believe we ever thought that was going to be possible oh i can't believe we ever thought we were going to be able to do all these things clearly that's not profitable or uh, you know, clearly this isn't able to, to build the community that we're trying to do. I think that, uh, again, going back to because we're not strictly retail and we're not strictly uh, food and beverage, that because we're not solely dependent on one, it can really benefit both in the sense that the board game hobby, which could be a money pit or super expensive or addicting or whatever, mm -hmm. is is something we want to, we want to have a value for. We don't, we don't want to be playing off of the, the very real addiction that there can be of, of collecting and uh, you know, storing up games on your shelf that you never play and um, just spent, you know, spend spending money to, to spend money on games uh, you know, which I've been guilty of plenty of times, but, and you know, there's, there's only so much we can do about that, but I think in one sense, you know, we, we want to really emphasize the experience and the relationships. And so, when it comes to the the selling and the price points and all that stuff, we want that to be uh, exci exciting and competitive uh, for somebody that knows their stuff, as well as somebody who doesn't know their stuff, because how many people are going to walk in, look at a game and say, oh, let me just look at that on Amazon real quick. Amazon's going to beat us sometimes, but our hope is that we'll be right there with them and sometimes even beat them. Um, and just some of the, what you call them, little, little tests, little tests that we've run on some of their, pricing for games and when they change them and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. um, I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question at this point, but ask, you're, ask me some other questions to draw out what you're, what you're, you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really prepare I mean, you for this one. Uh, um, how yeah, big I mean, is my it, name it, on the chair? Okay. <laughs> my brother said that the other day because he thought of the name victory pints and we just yeah. got our like test pint glasses in. He's like, so I get a really big one, right. With my name on it that you pull out whenever I'm in. 
Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it still has to be a pint, though, right? Like, it can't be like two pint size. It's just a really big glass, but we only pour a pint in, so it looks pathetic. Yeah. (laughs) He's, but he's a glass half full guy, so he's, he's still, you know, happy about it. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Help help me uh, throw out this question. I want to understand more what you're, yeah, yeah. So, um, so if I come in and I don't, and I don't buy anything except for, you know, maybe a Coke or, uh, uh, a coffee occasionally, but most of the time I'm just coming in and hanging out with my friends and playing your games for free. Um, is, is victory points a place for me to come in? Absolutely. Without question. And of course that at some point could run into, uh, you know, could bump up against, Hey, you know, we need these seats for paying customers and you've just been hanging out forever, or that's all you ever do in here. Are you going to spend any money? I mean, obviously, there, there's a that's a definite reality but our hope is that this truly would be a platform community and that what we have and what we offer would be so appealing that people will you know not necessarily spend spend their paycheck but uh spend an appropriate amount of money to invest in it to support it to reap the benefits of it because it's favorable because it's fun uh and because it's a place they want to see grow and and spread to other cities that's the hope and so if we run into the hey there's there's lots of people that you know are coming in and spending time here and uh not spending money then you know i think we'll we'll try to find you know soft and relational uh, ways to in a game it, store those are inst- called your regulars by the yeah, way <laughs> right some of that, right but- I mean, that's the thing that I think even a regular uh, retail space has to deal with is that there are people who sometimes just want to use your space and purchase the items elsewhere. So, um, so I mean, Starbucks didn't come up with the uh, you're welcome here at all the time and you don't have to buy anything to use the bathroom, (laughs) which I do appreciate um, as someone who works in places that don't have bathrooms, but they didn't do that when they opened their first store. They did it when there was a Starbucks on every corner. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a gathering place like that until, until that happened. But yeah, the people that are going to, I don't know, maybe not, maybe not in your experience. In my experience, some of the worst customers were my friends <laughs> or me or me honestly depending on the store you know yeah no no I'm, I'm not asking this question because i'm worried about some esoteric person i'm asking because i'm only going to come in and borrow your games no yeah. uh, no 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 I, I i think you answered really well it's it's hard to balance uh, a business with these high ideals we have for the board gaming community um I mean, I, I wish you the best of luck, and and I hope it goes well. I, I I think, and here's here's the softball pitch that that I'm gonna throw out there is I I think for those of us who can afford to support local businesses, I, I'm gonna say it again. It's all it's almost always better to just support the local business who's providing services like yours. Yeah, one hundred percent. I will when I'm when I I have some friends that live out in Mason. There's a couple stores out in Mason. It's weird. I work in Mason. I don't even know if I know actually where Mason is. <laughs> um, it's like out past Fields Ertle near, near King's awesome. Island, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I'm in Mason. But um, <laughs> yeah, there yeah, are three no. game, game theme stores within like a quarter or a mile of each other. Yeah. And I, I know some guys that have been going up there um, is nostalgia Inc. and mason is that mm-hmm. one of them yeah yep. so i got a buddy that that's like his regular shop every um every local game store every lgs is my flgs they're they're all my favorite local game stores but yeah i definitely would come in and get some um just put some dairy free stuff on the menu like okay they always want to everything's got to have cheese on it and i can't eat cheese i mean i can eat cheese but I shouldn't eat cheese. But you don't want me in your establishment. <laughs> if I'm, but, you know, just keep that in mind. It doesn't have to be vegan or vegetarian. I mean, that's always good to have those options. But a lot of times, like, because the Rook had that, and it felt like, you know, every, every restaurant you go to, my wife's like, Why, where do you want to go eat? I'm like, I want to go eat at these places because everything's got cheese. She's like, well, you always want to eat Asian food. And I'm like, well, they don't eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the cheese problem. So, yeah. um 
what what else do you because we're <laughs> coming up on our on our hour here what else do you want to let, let people know what's going to make your venue special um yeah. yeah, let's go there. I, just real quick to touch on what you guys were talking about, the you know, the regulars or people who may, you know, not spend as much money but spend large quantities of time. Uh again, going into it, you know, as an entrepreneur, having all these ideals, you know, how does that how does that mesh with you know actual successful business and profitability and all that? Uh my hope is that uh when we run into that, our our primary efforts will be towards uh relationship and that relationally we can uh, win them to want to support and want to spend. And if they don't, okay. And, you know, hopefully that won't become a, an overwhelming um, profitability issue, but uh, that, that would be our, our primary aim is to, to relationally win them so that they want to not to say, Hey, how do we fix this? Or how do we maybe get them out of here so we can make space for the person who's going to spend money, but Hey, how do we, help this person jump from, I spend, I spend time here and I, and I benefit a lot to, Hey, I want to, I want to make sure this place sticks around and I want to make sure this place is, you know, going to be here for, for everyone. So in, in restaurants, they're called campers and in game stores though, um, you can, one of the things that you could do just advice for any game store is try to direct those people. They can actually be assets sometime. Um, They can teach people how to play games, you know, you got that guy that's up there thirsting to play um, whatever game, you know, all the time, you know, then tell people that come in that are interested, like, Hey man, if you ever want to pick up game, this guy's up here, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, like every week. And then now you have those people returning. So that's just spitballing ideas because I don't know. I feel bad. I I lived in a game store. Not literally, but but you lived yeah. in a game store. Yeah. I was I was raised by a game store almost <laughs> literally for a couple of years. So very nice. So, what what, what do you want to end with? We appreciate you uh, being with us here tonight, and we'll leave it up to you how how you want to end the conversation here. Thank you guys. I mean, I I love what you guys do, um, and I'm thankful that you. I don't even know how you saw victory plants or reached out to you just see it on gary chavez said, oh gary chavez yeah yeah <laughs> uh cool yeah so i mean just the the conversations about the industry about games about the people in involved in the hobby i love it so i love what you guys are doing and i hope that you guys keep doing it for a long time and that it's uh, like you said wildly successful <laughs> and makes <laughs> lots of money but uh if there's I, I mean, part of me, I guess we could talk about all kinds of things, but part of me just wants to say thanks for, of course, you guys, but then all the people who have been in our corner this past year helping us along the way, whether business professionals and mentors, whether people helping us with graphics and marketing, people helping us with um, kind of industry connections and insight. Uh, it's it's not, none of this is possible without the, I guess what would be an army of people that have come around us to, you know, that are hoping and, and looking towards this coming to fruition and succeeding and thriving. Um, you know, this is my first gig doing something, you know, I don't know if Mullenspiel really counts because it didn't actually happen. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't a lot of risk involved. So uh, but this, you know, we're all in and everything's on the line. And, you know, I transitioned out of my full-time job back in October and, uh, you know, we withdrew all our retirement and we've been go, going all in to try to make this happen. So if it, if it doesn't happen, you know, we'll be disappointed, but um, we're, we're confident that a way is going to be made and, and it couldn't have, have been without all the people that have just been a part of the journey this far and we're not even to opening the doors yet. So I'm, I'm so excited for everybody else that's going to be involved, you know, as we take each next step and uh, make some big mistakes, I'm sure at different points, but uh, hopefully uh, recover from those and, and learn and make the right adjustments. So just, ex- just excited for, for what this can be and, and thankful for what you guys do and everybody that's, that's come around us. So. Kickstarter March 30th, right? Yeah. Kickstarter and GoFundMe March 30th. Yes, we are. We're trying to come out of the gate strong. So 
There you go. You got to plug that. Say it. Shout it, yeah. shout it from the mountaintops. <laughs> yep. Victory again, Pints. Yep. Victory Pints. Kickstarter and GoFundMe, March 3rd. VPCincy.com. Awesome. There you go. Th- thanks, Riley. And uh, hopefully, we'll have another conversation after you've successfully funded and opened, um, maybe in season three. Looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thank thanks. You. You've just been listening to Board Again Games, season two, episode nine, where we talked with Riley Mullins as he gets ready to open his venue, Victory Pints, where he will encourage the experience of board games, hopefully, among many different types of people some of the challenges he anticipates facing there, and some of his favorite gaming experiences. Join us as we continue to explore tabletop gaming in its many forms. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok. Happy gaming, and thanks for listening.